This is Dropped Among This Crowd, a podcast that dives into the music and community of improvisational progressive rock band, Umphreys McGee. Each week will feature a rotating schedule of insightful full show recaps, interviews with fellow Umphreys, members of Team UM, as well as other musicians who have been inspired by and or played with the band. This is your place for all the latest news and happenings within the world of Umphreys, helping keep you informed on what's been recently released or where you can catch the next show. I'm your host, Sarah Jahimiak. Thanks for joining me as we dive in. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this week of Dropped Among This Crowd. I hope that you were able to check out last week's episode where I chatted with Ryan Stasek about the drive-in shows back in September, Wrapped in the Round, Homeschooling, and Nether. Ryan also shares some news about the new music the band has been working on. This is the second time new music has been brought up on the show recently. Bayless mentioned this as well when he was on the show back in August. And I will link that chat in the show notes if you missed it. Ryan and I talk a bunch in our quick little catch up. So check that out if you haven't. And you'll also find a link for the other two episodes that Ryan was a guest on episode 73 and 74. Lots of great stories in those two episodes, so make sure you listen to those if you haven't. Thank you so much again to Ryan for taking the time to chat. It is always a pleasure catching up with you. Real quick, everyone, just wanted to remind you on behalf of headcount.org to make sure that you are registered to vote. If you don't know, headcount.org is a nonpartisan organization that uses the power of music to register voters and promote participation in democracy. Their voter registration drives at more than a thousand live events each year, and their collaborations with cultural leaders have helped to promote civic engagement on a national scale. Since 2004, they've signed over 600,000 voters through their work with touring musicians. If you're registered to vote already, make sure your information is correct and you know the right polling place to head to on November 3rd. If you're voting by mail, make sure to get your ballots mailed early so that they get to where they need to be on time. Encourage your family, friends, whoever else in your life to make sure that they are registered to vote and head to the polls on November 3rd. Whatever your viewpoints of all the things going on in our country right now, I think that we can all agree that the way things are going are not working and we need some serious change for all of us. So please make sure you get your ass registered and vote on Tuesday, November 3rd. You can register to vote, check your status, and more by heading to headcount.org or by following the link in the show notes. This week, I am very pleased to welcome Umphreys McGee manager, Kevin Browning, to the show. Kevin was kind enough to take a little time from his busy schedule to sit down with me and talk about the drive-in shows in Chicago. Kevin also shares why that event has two N's in the spelling of in. We also talk about the Atlanta drive-in show, what it's like putting together an event like this during a pandemic. 
what Kevin thinks the future of live music looks like. And he also reassures us that even though the shows in Atlanta were the last full band shows of the year, there is still plenty that the fans have to look forward to in 2020. Very exciting news for sure. Thank you so much to Kevin for your time. It was wonderful finally getting the chance to chat with you. And I really look forward to the next time I get the chance to sit down with him because I have a million other things that I would love to pick his brain about. Do you have a small business that makes shirts, pins, jewelry, sweet prints, or sells other interesting products that you think peeps would like to purchase? Is your band looking to get some attention from fellow music-loving umphreaks? Maybe you provide an awesome service that can make folks' lives better or easier and want some like-minded clientele? Or perhaps you're looking to hire some cool people to work with. Let Dropped Among This Crowd help you get the word out. With interviews on the show and sponsorship packages that include ad time on the podcast, ticket giveaways, social media plugs, product reviews, and so much more, Dropped Among This Crowd can help you reach tons of fellow umphreaks, musicians, and other kind folks looking to purchase from you, work with you, and support their fellow um family. Email droppedamongthiscrowdpod at gmail.com if you're interested in chatting more. Quick before we get into my chat with Kevin this week, although I'm sure everyone has heard by this point, Hall of Fame 2019 has been released October 2nd. It became available on Spotify and Apple Music, I believe some other streaming platforms for your listening pleasure. The pre-order for the vinyl is also now available, and you'll find a link in the show notes where you can get yours if you haven't done that already. The release date for the vinyl is to be determined, of course, because of the current state of world affairs. Team UM also weighed in to ensure that shows that maybe fell under the radar but contained some hidden treasure were also recognized. Each track this year comes from a different show, something never before done on a Hall of Fame album. Coming in at over five hours, this year is also the longest Hall of Fame. This release includes tunes from 17 venues in 16 cities and covering 11 states. Just further proof of what an incredible year 2019 was for Umphreys McGee. Something very cool about this year's release, because it was too hard to decide, another first, Attachment Stein. Three different versions of the song Attachments put together. From June 22nd at Red Rocks, January 18th in Cincinnati at the Taft Theater, and May 31st in Ozark, Arkansas at the Backwoods Music Festival. I've listened to it, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly where they have stitched this monster together. Um, I'd be interested to know if any of you listening have figured out 
where the morphing happens. The pre-ordered vinyl will feature the iconic 62-minute Ringo from January 30th on three of the four sides with Spooky Ocean Billy from January 12th in Richmond, Virginia on the fourth side. And I will say that, honestly, I am a little surprised that Ringo is on this final. Um, I understand the complete epicness of that song and wanting to put it on a vinyl to unleash on the world and to preserve its epicness in one place. Um, Personally, I would have released that as its own demon and would have allowed the other tunes that were voted um, and put those on the vinyl instead. Um, but, you know, <laughs> that that's just my feeling on it. I did mention more about my feelings on this in my Hall of Fame 2019 episode as well as what my votes were. I had three make it to the final album. If you'd like to check out my Hall of Fame 2019 episode, there is a link in the show notes where you can find it. Another first time for this year's release, a clear vinyl with multicolored splatter. Designed by John Engelman, who also created the Hall of Fame logo in every Hall of Fame album since the first release, Hall of Fame 2010 in 2011. He has also designed and worked on other things for the band, including the 15-year anniversary book, hoodies, hats, t-shirts, and more. You may recognize John better from online as Heavy Nuggets, the creator of some very sick stickers. I recently got a couple new ones from him and posted a photo of them on my social media. You may have seen that. Um, I will link his shop in the show notes if you wanted to check out his awesome stuff. I, I love his artwork. Lots of very exciting firsts with this year's Hall of Fame You can now stream on Spotify and Apple Music, and pre-order is also available now, as I mentioned. Links for everything can be found in the show notes. So here is my conversation with Umphreys McGee manager, Kevin Browning. Well, I have a billion things I would love to pick your brain about, but we'll just focus on the one topic today, which is the drive-in shows. So kind of start by telling us how the idea came up to do it. Was it presented to you guys to do it or did you and Vince seek out doing a drive-in show? Um, Well, when all of this hit and the reality that um, once we got through the initial phase of realizing that we were going to more or less cancel the entire calendar um, for the rest of the year, we, we immediately obviously tried to turn to, you know, what, if any options do we have to do, um, you know, to do something even as different as it may look the drive-in concept we talked about pretty early, but 
it was sort of at the point where we weren't sure if it was a good idea, first and foremost, just for being able to safely and effectively pull off the logistics in a way that keeps everybody, you know, they kept everybody healthy. And um, so the drive-in, you know, the drive-in concert is in a, um, you know, it's not a new invention, but obviously when you have a bunch of venues, it's not the first, it's, you know, it's not the normal route you would take. So we looked at it pretty early on. Um, we were watching um, what a few other people were doing. We didn't feel like at the outset, we, we didn't feel like we could do it in a way that made it, that sort of checked all the boxes for us that met our standards with it for a while. Once we learned a little bit more about how the, you know, how the virus was, um, was spreading, what we, 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 we grew uh, more and more comfortable with the idea of, uh, of doing it. So we looked at a, about a half dozen before we finally, um, settled on, um, where we landed. And, um, this one in particular, um, while we were looking at the idea a promoter friend of ours also was looking at the same thing and he was interested. So it was sort of a, uh, a good match at that point. We felt like we were able to do it, um, in a safe, responsible way. Nice. And so is Chicago the reason to to be there was because of the proximity for everyone, mostly everyone? Um, yeah, it's yeah. getting getting the band together um, anywhere right now is difficult, just given that um, everybody lives truly coast to coast, you know, from California to South Carolina and, and in between. So Chicago is centrally located. It also presented just some logistical simplifications of it's where the truck is here, our production gear, all that stuff. So it felt like if we were going to do it, that um, doing it, doing it here made the most sense for both travel reasons, logistic reasons, and financial reasons. Um, so, and then once we, it, it was a little bit of a proof of concept, the Chicago one to see if, see if we could do it, see if we could pull it off in a way that, um, both was um, fun and enjoyable for the fans, but also safe and smart to do and um, also enjoyable, obviously, for, for the band as well. Yeah. So did, did you deliberately schedule Wrapped in the Round and the drive-in show for the same amount of time because logistically it was easier because everyone was together? Or did it just happen that you had one planned and then the other one kind of came up? Um, no, we tried to, we were working on both things at the same time and we did try to get them to line up um, again so we could minimize travel. People only have to come into the city, you know, come once and knock out a few birds with one stone, if you will. So we normally wouldn't ever combine, um, you know, sort of like we did at Boondock where during the days it was recording by day and with sort of a, your studio hat on and then streaming by night for the Wrapped in the Round thing. And then the shows on the weekend. In ordinary times, we would never ever consider combining three different entities like that, just because they're very different head spaces and preparation that you kind of put yourself in for recording where you're sort of secluded and you're focusing exclusively on writing, not about performing per se. But the reality of the, the hand we've been dealt 
you just got to be you got to be as smart about it to make sure that um, it's as efficient and cost effective as possible. Because, um, combining, you know, being able to do multiple things in one window just helps helps uh, reduce the the friction all around. It makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Try to get as much in as you possibly can at one time. So why is it drive in with two ends and not one? Is it just because of the the promoters, the venue? What was the reason for that? Yes, that's a uh, that's a good question, and there's not really a great answer. That was part of this the series that that our promoter um, promoter did, and they did it um, they did it with two ends. And while uh, there obviously wasn't sleeping accommodations or an inn on site, which is the, when you would typically use the two ends, but we were pretty far down the road. And before we were like, why are we doing this again? So uh, we're back to one end for Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple people that were asking me, I'm like, I, I don't know, but I'll ask Kevin, maybe he knows. <laughs> yeah, that uh, honestly, there were a, a thousand things and a thousand things to try to get in order. And it was a mad dash. and. Um, we already had the art done. I was like, I asked myself the same question. I didn't catch it until we were pretty far down the road. So no good answer. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So uh, Mo had their drive-in uh, thing scheduled in early August and then had it pulled out underneath mm -hmm. them like day before or something. So when you heard about that, what was going through your mind while you were trying to plan this kind of the same event. Well, the the reality is is that you have to you got to take all of these things one day at a time, and you got to you got to hope for the best, but expect the worst. And this isn't exclusive to putting on a concert or even the music business. I'm sure you feel it every day. You wake up and you're like, oh boy, you see, look at the news and see uh, the state of the world. And um, so we were fully prepared and still are fully prepared that anything could happen at any point. And there's nothing, there's nothing that we can do about that, at least on a, on a broad scale. All we can do is control the elements that are within um, our ability to control. And if, if things arise outside of that, we just gotta, you just gotta roll with it. So we, you know, we, we understood that there's a possibility that, um, you know, if a, mandate came down from a city or a county or a state that wouldn't allow us to do it, we wouldn't have been able to do it. But we just try to take every precaution in advance and make sure that everybody all the way up the chain um, was, you know, had signed off and felt comfortable with it. And we were fortunate enough to be able to, uh, to execute. Yeah. <clears throat> nice. Um, so talk about setting everything up. Was there anything different about loading in? Um, no, honestly, the only fairly normal thing was the stage setup. <laughs> um, that piece we've done a thousand times and, you know, our, our crew is spectacular. They could build it in their sleep. That was sort of the most normalcy about the whole thing. Um, but the, obviously the audience and the crowd and looking out into a uh, sea of cars and the horn honking and all of those other things was was pretty surreal, but that's very much uh, right in line with the times we're living. For sure. There's a lot of surreal things that are going on now. 
so what were some of the safety measures that you guys had to have in place um not just for obviously the audience and everything but for the band and the crew behind the scenes um sure i mean it's important that it was important to us from the outset that we that we sort of led by example uh, and not just ask people to do things that we weren't ourselves doing now the reality is most of that doesn't get seen by anybody but that doesn't make a difference um it's just about doing doing the right thing so the combination of um pretty meticulous planning on the travel piece of it um you know almost everybody drove that could um so we minimized the amount of flights um every uh, you know the biggest step is we had the entire um, band crew management and even some of the um, people that we had spent the time at Ecto recording with that weren't necessarily part of the regular crew we did we did uh, rapid testing for everybody so uh, basically ensured that we were we were good there but then still all the things that um, we should all be doing which is you know wearing masks and keeping our distance whenever possible and um, but it certainly obviously helps to have a a, a series of negative test results from everybody around. It gives you a little bit of a peace of mind, but you still can't take anything for granted. So uh, safety first. For sure. What is something that was a concern uh, either during planning or during the actual event that uh, people might not actually think that was something of a concern? Um, well, I think the, the biggest concern is just anytime you're doing something that's completely different, you don't necessarily, you don't have a, you don't have a playbook exactly to work out of, right? And that goes from the band's end, but also the promoter's end, security, all the staffing, you know, parking, just getting everybody into the venue, parking spaces, making sure that there's adequate distance, making sure that people understand the rules um and then when you when you do it like that there's things that you don't necessarily uh, you try to account for every possibility in advance but it you know the world's a screwy place and sometimes um there were a few things like um that happened along the way that you know some people who had bought premium arrived and there were there were a few less spaces than we thought there were so they got they got stuck further in the back and on night two we made sure to take care of those people and put them put them up front um right before doors just to try to rectify some of that some of those things that no matter how hard you try there's still going to be a few um a few snafus that the i would say that the biggest thing that maybe isn't um understood is that doing it like that doing a drive-in format is significantly more expensive to put on a show like that again because of the things that um you know typically in most venues there is a there's a stage and there are trusses and there are rigging points and there are existing bathrooms and concessions and like all the things that you that you use in a venue you don't necessarily um, you know, a promoter can aggregate those costs over a series of shows or years, or they own the building. When you're building everything from scratch in the middle of a parking lot, it, the cost of it really adds up. 
And then you layer on top the safety, um, the safety protocols that, again, a lot of people probably don't see or at least recognize, but you end up, um, you end up spending a lot of money to make sure that it, you're putting on, you know, as, as quality of a show as you can from the audio and visual perspective of it. Um, but also doing it in a way that's, that's safe. So that with all of these, that's, that's the, uh, that's a sizable hurdle for sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure the, the amount of expenses behind the scenes that you guys have to do to, to make sure this is fine. And you guys are always so amazing about making it right for fans, whether it's an issue with merch or what you were saying about making sure people were in the right place. Like you guys are always so good about making, making it right or fixing it or making it better for people. We're very lucky that you guys make that such a priority. Um, well, thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, we just, we just do it like we want to be done too. You know, we, we're all music fans first and foremost. And when something goes wrong, you just do what you can to make it right. Just like, just like we would want um, if we were on the flip side of it. So on, on, mm -hmm. um, you know, on that note, we have such an amazing group of, uh, of fans that the vast majority of people are, are incredibly respectful and understand. And like some of those people who, you know, the people that we put up front, um, just as an example, those people were all super nice and courteous and like, they could have been, you know, they could have been assholes about it. And they were like, ah, it sucks, but like, we get it. And, and that kind of thing just makes you want to, makes you want to go the extra step to take care uh, of people a lot more than somebody who, um, you know, somebody who's flipping out over something that at the end of the day, um, if we had the control to fix in real time, we always would, or we always do. So mm -hmm. it helps to have, it helps to have such a, uh, you know, such a quality fan base as well. Yeah, absolutely. So now that you've got one drive-in show under your belt in Atlanta in a week and a half, and now the recently released Brendan and Jake at the drive-in, how, how do you feel about drive-in shows? Um, I'm, I'm trying to embrace all of this stuff in the, through the lens of, of where we are. And while it has, you know, while it has some drawbacks in terms of, you know, we're, we, we have, we all compare it to our usual experience, right? Which inevitably means that it's just a, um, you know, you're setting it up as a comparison, but not having that, we've got to do, you know, you got to play the hand you're dealt and put on the best thing you can. And honestly, there were, you know, points walking around Chicago or just hanging out where it's like, wow, this feels, this feels so different, but you have, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people, myself included, I'm like, you know, it's not so bad to be with your handful of good friends. You got a ton of space. Nobody's crowding you. You drove in a cooler of, you know, you're drinking and eating whatever you want. It, so I think there's a lot of pluses. Um, at least that's the, those are the things that I, um, you know, that I choose to focus on because what's the, what's the good in complaining about it? Like, yeah, it doesn't have the same kind of energy necessarily, but I, I thought, um, I thought it was great 
um, all things considered. So do I think it's the, you know, the sustainable model forever? No. Um, but I don't think without a, um, without a vaccine and without, um, we got a long ways to go before anything that we deem normal is going to be, is going to be possible. So until then, uh, we'll keep, you know, we'll keep turning over every rock and see what we can find under it and see what, what kind of makes sense. But, um, you know, as you know, Atlanta is going to be, um, the last one of the year for the band. That's a, just a practical function of, um, of weather of there's, you know, there's no trying to do anything inside is just not safe. It's not smart. And so, yeah, we're going to, we're going to sneak, uh, one more with just Brennan and Jake. Um, and, and that's it. We also, we are looking at doing, um, maybe doing another version of, you know, live from boondocks or wrapped in the round in a new, in a new location, something, um, before the year is out. Um, but still kind of looking at options for that. So. Nice. Both of those were very awesome. So I really, really hope that that comes through and, and happens again, because those were very awesome to watch. Which one did you prefer? Well, I liked uh, the, I call them the boondock sessions, but I enjoyed boondock, but I just have a, a soft spot in my heart for that location. <laughs> um, sure. But wrapped in the round was awesome too, because we, we got Ben Factor and, you know, Chris Mitchell working his magic. And so I like, I liked them for different reasons. Good. That's, uh, they were intentionally supposed to be sort of a 180 from each other, right? The yeah. super low key stripped down, no lighting, no nothing. And then something a bit more of elaborative production. So uh, I'd like to keep making each one a, a, a unique item of its own to keep, you know, for the band and our own entertainment, but also for your guys' entertainment that it's, you know, we're not just, um, not just doing the same thing over and over. Right. Absolutely. And that's something that you guys are really great at doing too, is coming up with new ideas anyway, but especially now when you have to come up with completely new ideas to do anything. I think it's amazing what you guys have been able to come up with. We're mostly just trying to not make ourselves bored. <laughs> and that's what's important. <laughs> Have you been to a drive-in show as a fan yet? Just the two Humphreys ones. Okay. Uh, but I have talked to a number of people who've been to a number of them, and um, I'm pleased to tell you and all your listeners that uh, I've heard that Humphreys fans by far have been the, the most respectful fans at a drive-in to date. It's wonderful to hear. I'm so glad. I, I had no, no question in my mind that we would be able to pull it off because we understand the importance of getting this right because we want more of, of it. So right. <laughs> so we're like, okay, if we uh, just got to wear a mask and behave, maybe we can get some more live music. We'll do it. <laughs> so what was the first thing that you needed to change when you were planning for Atlanta? Um, well, the, I would say the, the couple of, um, the couple of big changes are one while the, um, the concept of 
merchandise order online delivery two spots um looked better on paper than it actually was able to execute in person and it's a it was a function of a a bunch of small things that sort of piled up um a lot of orders in a very short period of time and then just some miscues about not knowing exactly where people were parked and people not putting in a row number or thinking they were in a certain row that they weren't or so that piece of it, um, that piece of it obviously didn't work as well as we had hoped. So we've kind of retooled that for um, Atlanta to have a much more fluid system and people won't be going home without um, picking up merch they bought. So uh, solved for that was intent on adding some additional um, delay towers, speakers, and additional screens in the back half of the lot just to ensure that um, that the people towards the rear had as good of an experience as possible. I mean, the reality of how spread out it has to be in order to, you know, observe the proper distancing and make sure that cars can get out um, as needed is, you know, the reality is, is that puts the last, that puts the end of the cars pretty far away from the stage. Um, but that is the reality of, um, of being able to do it and all of the, you know, all of the additional things, um, it, it costs a lot more money to be able to cover as big of a space as that is. Um, but that was something that we really wanted to, uh, improve upon for Atlanta, which we, uh, which we will be doing. Um, so... Those are the first, those are the two big things that sort of come to my mind. Nice. Uh, so, the other thing was just mapping out the specificity of parking so people understand exactly where they're gonna be in advance. Uh, so they can buy a specifically numbered spot in advance and it's less, um, it eliminates the need to, you know, park your car on the side of the road for four hours trying to get up front um, in a GA kind of scenario, so. Yeah, I know a lot of people were really grateful that you guys decided to do that. They knew that it was going to ease a lot of worries the day of the show. So that was, people were very grateful for that feature for sure. That was the intent. So <laughs> glad to hear it. So what does it look like for you the next week and a half as you head into Atlanta next weekend? Um, well, um, it's a combination of, you know, at this point, a lot of the, um, a lot of the items have been mostly, you know, mostly taken care of. It's kind of a function of just running down the checklist to make sure that um, everybody whose jobs along the way to execute the various pieces of it are um, in place. And we've got this, everybody sort of eye to eye on, um, all the nuts and bolts of the making it run, which, you know, a lot of, honestly, um, a lot of that stuff, you know, Vince and I handle, um, the big picture stuff at the outset, get it in place. And then we've got, um, and then a lot of it gets then passed to our team. Um, the rest of the crew that executes, um, you know, on the show days, uh, themselves. So, uh, Honestly, I've already been working on the, the Brandon and Jake driving thing, and then we've got a bunch of other 
um, a bunch of other music in the pipeline. Um, so spent more time on that in the last week once we uh, once we got Atlanta figured out and on sale. So uh, crossing the T's and dotting the I's for Atlanta while looking down the road into in the through the end of the year and into January. So is there anything different prep-wise between doing a full band drive-in show and doing a Brennan and Jake drive-in show? Um, yeah, Brennan and Jake are a lot simpler. Right. I mean, it's it's two guys and two acoustic guitars and two vocal mics. It's way more of a uh, it's way more of a rock on tour storytelling slash um, you know campfire sing-along style. So. It doesn't require nearly the amount of production or lighting. Um, so it's a little simpler in, in that regard. It's, a, it's also, um, you know, half the size. So it's a little smaller and more intimate. Um, I feel much better about going into that one, having what will be two full ones under, um, under our belt. Cause even for Atlanta, you know, while I gave you a few of the big ones, there's a, there's a hundred, little things that we'll do differently to try to improve upon it. And then after Atlanta, we'll probably have another hundred more that we'll be like, oh, let's, you know, make this little tweak here, this little tweak there. And it's a lot of these things are just the sum of the parts. Yeah. So I have one final question for you. What, what do you think the future of live music looks like? Well, I don't know if I have one final answer for you on that. <laughs> um, I, I think we are, um, I think in a best case scenario, um, we're well into um, the middle of 2021, if not later before there is larger gatherings that are a little less, um, spaced out I, i'm i'm you know i'm con, i'm concerned about the we're fortunate enough that you know that we have built an audience and built a fan base and can can weather um the weather the storm a little bit more than if you know even than we could have um you know five or ten years ago and i worry about a lot of the independent clubs in our all of our towns because these are the places where bands cut their teeth where they you know you hone your craft and if i think about all the venues that the hundreds and hundreds of shows that umphrey's played at those are the uh, you know those are the roots that you plant and the where you water to grow and without without you know a lot of those venues may not be able to make it through the other side of this and that's a concern just for the health of the um, both new new artist development, um, as well as just a lot of iconic places that um, that are important to having uh, thriving music scenes and culturally um, diverse um, venues and promoters and events. So I hope that uh, I hope that that more of them than not are able to, um, you know, to figure out a way to sustain through and get through this because I think it's essential to the ecosystem um, long-term. And I, you don't want, while there's 
you know, there's a couple big fish obviously on the promoting end. You don't want, um, there's a lot of important work that happens on the local level and the regional level. And, uh, I want that to be there, but, uh, big, you know, bigger macro picture, it will, live music is never going to go away and we all need it. We all thrive on it. And it's, it's felt like a long time since, um, we've had it and it's going to be a, it's going to be a while longer. And in the meanwhile, I think you're going to see a lot of productive and creative output, um, writing and recording across the, um, across the board. I think you'll continue to see new and novel, um, ideas to, to fill the, to fill the void for, you know, both creative expression as well as the need to, um, you know, keep, putting food on the table and putting our kids through school. And, um, so we've got to, um, we're all gonna have to keep figuring out ways to, um, to do it, to keep ourselves sane and also to, to keep, you know, to keep doing, keep bringing it to, to you guys. So I'm, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a while, but I think in the end, um, it's, you know, the power of the community and the power of the live experience together, uh, is not something that um, is going to be able to to be kept down for um, for the long haul. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. And and Umphreys is working on new music. I've heard. Um, that is true. There's a yeah. There's a bunch of stuff over the course of a few different sessions from a few different places. And now we've got to uh, sort of go through that pile and whittle it down and figure out where to where to focus the effort. Um, so that's coming. There's, um, there's, um, another sort of side project coming at the same working in parallel, which you'll know more about soon. Um, there's obviously the, um, the hall of fame 2019 coming around the corner. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot coming your way. There'll be some, um, some updated uh, video release stuff that um, some stuff that people haven't seen some 4k stuff uh, working on trying to do some surround and Dolby Atmos stuff for a very immersive uh, experience. So there's always a lot of irons in the fire. Very awesome. Very awesome. Yeah. You guys are always, you know, tinkering behind the scenes and working hard. Yeah, we do our best. <laughs> well, we certainly appreciate it. I'll, I'll tell you, it's been so great to still get our satisfaction of live music and any way that we've been able to do it. And as you mentioned, music is healing and we all all need it. So I appreciate all of the hard work that you've done always anyways, but especially now during this time when the world is crumbling and you're dealing with your own family things but you're also working your ass off to keep everything afloat so personally i'm i'm super grateful and i know other fans are too so thank you well thank you very much we're also uh very grateful for all of you so we're all we're all in it together absolutely absolutely <laughs> nice well, chatting with you yeah it, this was wonderful thank you for taking the time to talk with me and i'm happy that you're finally going to be on the show thank you <laughs> All right. Good chatting. All right. Take care. Have a great day. You too. Bye. 
So that's everything I have for this week of the show. Thank you again to Kevin for taking the time and chatting with me and being a guest. It really was a pleasure. There are a bunch of links in the show notes for anything referenced, like where you can listen to past episodes, book your own conversation, and be a guest on the podcast, where you can find the brand new Dropped Among This Crowd Etsy store, subscribe to the just-released Conduit e-magazine, and a ton more, so make sure you check all of that out. Thank you again for joining me. I'll see you around these parts next week. Mad love.